Chapter Twenty Six of the Book of This and That. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Book of This and That by Robert Lind. Chapter Twenty Six The Futurists. The appearance of the first number of Blast ought to put an end to the futurist movement in England. One can forgive a new movement for anything except being tedious. Blast is as tedious as an attempt to play pistol by someone who has no qualification for the part, but whom neither friends nor the family clergyman can persuade into the decency of silence. It may be urged that Blast does not represent futurism, but vorticism. But after all, what is vorticism but futurism in an English disguise? Futurism, one might call it, bottled in England, and bottled badly. One has only to compare the pictures of the vorticists recently shown at the Goupil Gallery with the pictures of the Italian futurists which are being shown at the Dore, to see that the two groups differ from each other not in their aims, but in their degrees of competence. No one going through the gallery of Italian paintings and sculpture could fail to see that Boccioni, with all his freakishness, his hideousness, his discordant introduction of real hair, glass eyes, and so forth, into his statuary, is an artist powerful both in imagination and in technique. His study of a woman in a balcony is of a kind to bring an added horror into a night of human sacrifices in the Congo. His representation of matter destroys the appetite like a nightmare that has escaped from the obscene bowels of the sea. It produces, one cannot deny, an emotional effect, like some loathsome and shapeless thing. Compare with it most of the work that is being done in England under futurist inspiration, and you will see the immense difference in mere power. How seldom, apart from the work of Mr. Nevinson and one or two others, one finds among the latter a picture that is more interesting to the imagination than a metal toast rack. You see a picture that looks like a badly opened sardine tin, and you discover that it is called portrait of a mother and infant. You see another that looks as if someone had taken a pair of scissors and cut a union jack into squares and triangles, and then had arranged the pieces at random in a patchwork quilt, and this, in turn, is labeled, say, Tennyson reading in memoriam to Queen Victoria. In either case, if the thing were done once, it might be funny. But the young artists are not content to have done it once. They keep on emptying the contents of rag-bags and dust-bins onto canvases in the most wearisome way. After a time, one can neither laugh at them nor take them seriously. One can simply repeat the name of their new review with violent sincerity. It is not, however, with the futurists themselves that one's chief quarrel is. It is with the people who do not support the futurists, but will not condemn them for fear of going down to posterity in the same boat as the people who once ridiculed Wagner and the Impressionists. 
this fear of the laughter of posterity is surely the last sign of decadence it is the kind of thing that in the religious world would prevent you from criticizing the prophet dowie or mrs eddy it would compel you to take all new movements seriously simply because they were new it would lead you to suspend your judgment about the tango till you were in your grave and your grandchild could come and whisper posterity's verdict to your tombstone it is i agree a fine thing to have a hospitable mind for new things to be able to greet a wordsworth or a manet appreciatively on his first rising artists have the right to demand that their work shall be judged not according to whether it fits in with certain old standards but by its new power of affecting the emotions and the imagination great artists are continually extending the boundaries of their art and there are in the last resort no rules to judge art by except that the artist must by one means or another succeed in bringing something to life bocioni satisfies the test in his sculpture and therefore we must praise him whether we like his methods or not the majority of the futurists on the other hand produce no more effect of life than a diagram in euclid which has been crossed and blotted out with inks of various colors even however when as in the case of the sculptures of Boccioni and the paintings of severini we admit that a brilliant imagination is at work we are not necessarily committed to belief in the methods through which that imagination happens to express itself it is possible to enjoy whitman's poetry without believing that he has laid down the essential lines for the poetry of the future one may agree that Boccioni and severini have justified their methods by results as far as they themselves are concerned this does not mean that one agrees with them when they preach the adoption of their methods by artists in general one takes the futurist movement seriously indeed only because various clever men have joined it and because young italians more than most of us seem to be justified in some form of violent reaction against the past that oppresses them whether futurism is merely the growing pains of a rejuvenated italy or whether it is a genuine manifestation of the old passion for violence which first showed itself on the day on which cain killed abel is difficult at times to say probably it is a little of both we wish says marinetti praising violence like any prussian in a famous manifesto to glory war the only health-giver of the world militarism patriotism the destructive aim of the anarchist the beautiful ideas that kill the contempt for women and again we shall extol aggressive movement feverish insomnia the double quickstep the somersault the box on the ear the fisticuff it is very like mr kipling at the age of fourteen writing for a school magazine if you could imagine a kipling emancipated from religion and belief in british law and order later as marinetti proceeds to foretell the day on which the futurists shall be slain by their still more futuristic successors the schoolboy wakes once more in him and in justice strong and healthy he writes how one envies the fine flourish with which he does it will burst forth radiantly in their eyes 
for art can be naught but violence cruelty and injustice one need not be too solemn with writing like that it may be growing pains it may be a new jingoism of the individual but whichever it is it is amusing nonsense one begins to swear only when people above the school age insist upon taking it seriously as though it might contain a new gospel for humanity it contains no new gospel at all it is merely an entertaining restatement of an egoism of a kind that man was trying to discard before the days of bows and arrows it is a schoolboyish plea for the revival of the tomahawk it is a war song played in a city street on the bottom of a tin can it has no more to do with art than a display of penny fireworks an imitation of barking dogs at the calves of old gentlemen or the escapades of valentine vox it has no relation to art whatsoever except from the fact that marinetti himself is an exceedingly clever writer as one may see from almost any of his manifestos one may turn for an example of his manner to the following passage from his summons to the young to destroy the museums the libraries and the academies those cemeteries of wasted efforts those cavalries of crucified dreams those ledgers of broken attempts come then the good incendiaries with their charred fingers here they come here they come set fire to the shelves of the libraries deviate the course of canals to flood the cellars of the museums oh may the glorious canvases drift helplessly seize pickaxes and hammers sap the foundation of the venerable cities the oldest among us is thirty we have therefore ten years at least to accomplish our task when we are forty let others younger and more valiant throw us into the basket like useless manuscripts they will come against us from afar from everywhere bounding upon the lights and measure of their first poems scratching the air with their hooked fingers and scenting at the academy doors the pleasant odor of our rotting minds marked out already for the catacombs of the libraries that is a vivid piece of humor it is as amusing as marinetti's portrait of himself at the dory gallery a portrait the head of which is a clothes brush and the hat of a tobacco tin a toy which would be in its right place not at an exhibition of paintings and sculpture but in the nursery squares of mrs bland's magic city as a matter of fact however futurism as an artistic method seems to have only the slightest connection with marinetti's neo zarathustrianisms the futurist painters give us not the blood that marinetti calls for but diagrams as free from implications of bloodshed as a weather chart or the illustrations in an engineering journal these artists are not primarily concerned with protesting against the conversion of italy into a market for second-hand dealers they aim at inventing a new kind of art which shall be able to paint not objects in terms of form and color but the movements of objects and the states of mind of those who see them they have invented a jargon about simultaneousness dynamism ambiance and so forth 
which is about as impressive as the writings of Mrs. Eddy. And they paint in the same jargon in which they write. Paint the soul. Never mind the legs and the arms, recommended the cleric and Fra Lippo Lippi. Paint the simultaneousness. Never mind the legs and the arms, is the golden rule of the futurist. They have conceived a strange contempt for the visible world. They tell us that a running horse has not four legs but twenty, but that is no reason for leaving the horse entirely out of the picture, as some of the enthusiasts do. They do not realize that our sensations about horse and the movements of horse can only be painted in terms of horse that art is not a dissipation of life into wavy lines and dots and dashes, but the opposite. There may be a science of futurism in which the force lines of a horse or a motor car may be part of a useful diagram. These arbitrary lines, however, have no more to do with imaginative art than the plus and minus signs in arithmetic. Occasionally, of course, there is an obvious symbolism in the lines, as in the charging angles, which represent the dynamism of a motor car. But this is merely speed, expressed by a commonplace symbol, instead of by a symbolic impression of the flying car itself. This is an intellectual game, rather than an art. Occasionally it gives us a wonderful piece of broken impressionism, but the stricter futurists are symbolistic beyond all understanding. Their work is like an allegory, to the meaning of which no one has a key. An allegory printed in the hieroglyphs of an unknown language. End of section 26